the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in to Rob Black and Your Money. I am Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. This is a show about money, about investments. It's about what's happening on Wall Street. It's a show trying to get you a little bit smarter, a little bit better prepared for retirement. A show trying to get you a little bit better for making decisions with your hard-earned cash. We'll talk a lot about a lot of content today. Some of it will be over your head. Some of it will be right up your alley. Some of it will be stuff you've heard before. Some of it will be a brand new spanking idea. That's my goal on this show, is to motivate you, to invigorate you, to stop making mistakes with your do-re-mi. Now, first and foremost, it's a new week. It's a new dollar. It's a new day. Uh, So far, it's not looking good. But so far, if you're looking at the month of January, it's looking like it's going to be a good year on Wall Street based on historical standards. So it's a little bit too early to get ahead. It's a little bit too early to get pessimistic or optimistic, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I feel good, all things considered. Now today what's happening is we're waking up and we're trying to you know gauge what we're seeing from European markets. Last year, 2010, was a year where Greece got into some trouble. Their government promised a lot of payouts to the employees, state employees, to the retirees, and they can no longer meet those based on receipts coming in versus cash going out. That kind of also hit a lot of banks in the European Union area. Banks tend to do business in their own language. Banks tend to do business in their own backyard. So Greece did a lot of loans in the European Union, and some European Union banks failed. A lot like the United States, we had the same exact scenario where um, banks lent money. It was time to pay. Some of the the borrowed money failed. Then we hear about it in the media, and you and I say, you know, the average person say, let's go to the bank and get our money because we don't want our bank to fail on us. So it makes the problem a little perpetuated worse. So Greece got into that scenario. United States got in that scenario. Ireland got in that scenario. So all the banks in the European Union feel kind of a weakness because Ireland did a bad and because Greece did a bad. Perpetuating that, Portugal now has done a bad or it's it's about time that they do a bad. We knew about it because we started talking about what's called pigs last year. Portugal, Ireland, Italy, Greece, and Spain. You can cross off Greece and Ireland. So that leaves the Portugal and Italy and Spain. Can Portugal, Italy, and Spain do enough to stop from having to do an emergency borrow from the world? They could, but I'm not counting on it. So I'm, I'm assuming that, building it into my, my market, building it into my scenario. So debt concerns in Europe are drawing a huge bit of attention this morning, and it's the primary catalyst behind the selling interest on Wall Street. Now, I say selling interest. Let's take a look. Dow's down 82, NASDAQ down 17, S&P 500 down 8. 
Am I upset? Am I worried? Am I crying? No. Will I take the gains the last two years and uh, the gains so far this year for a bad day? I'm not worried. Trust me. I'm not worried. When I'm worried, you'll hear me worried. And that'll worry you because you've never really heard me all that panicked. Elsewhere out there today, Europe's debt problems are acting as a kind of a convenient excuse to sell off a stock market that's had a big run ultimately since August. Now, there were reports over the weekend that Germany and France were allegedly pushing Portugal to accept aid before the latter countries put in the position of having to accept it. Something I've talked about with you and how Germany has got to start getting just just angry with what they're seeing and what they signed up for in the European Union. Alcoa, um, they report today after the close. That's something that, you know, let's not forget what we're paying attention to here. I'd rather see a strong Alcoa report than a weak Portugal report. Indonesia's Speak English. Indonesia's Jakarta market plunged about 4.2% this morning. India's Sinsex down about 2.4% based on fears of inflation. China's Shanghai declined 1.7%. A little later in the show, I'm going to talk about has China captured the United States as the most important economy in the world, or are we still in play? Negative developments have been offset by somewhat positive M&A activity this morning. Duke Energy is buying Progress Energy for $13.7 billion. you got to own a utility stock. When they're buying each other, they're pushing the values higher. And Warren Buffett once said, okay, now I'm making this up. He said, I should say it better like this. Warren, Bunce, Warren Buffett once said something along these lines. We only need three to four utility companies in the United States. And there's hundreds of them. So Duke Energy buying Progress Energy, that's a pretty big deal. That's not a softy. That's not a small one. That's not a tiny one. $13.7 billion transactions, huge. So these are two big energy companies that ultimately are getting together. Think of it this way. Like if you've got some energy companies in the Northeast and some energy companies in the South, why not merge? You're not stealing customers from each other. You're upgrading your, your footprint. So... Ultimately, what we have here is positive. Elsewhere, DuPont's buying a company called Denisco for $5.8 billion. DuPont wants to get into the food business a little bit more and you know, some of the chemicals and some of the enzymes that are inside of food. DuPont wants in. And there's some speculation this morning that Johnson & Johnson is going to be acquiring Smith & Nephew. I don't know anything about Smith & Nephew. So three major potential acquisitions. Pretty interesting. UBS upgraded General Electric today to buy from neutral. It's been a positive, supportive element. Although its impact is apt to be diminished by a Goldman Sachs downgrade, a fellow Dow component today, Walmart, to neutral from buy. I can't really get behind Walmart. It's been stuck in a trading range now for about five years. Now, maybe I try to trade that trading range, but I can't really get bullish or long it because it doesn't really break down. It doesn't really break out. That's one of those companies that I like because they earn billions of dollars. Check. You know, you want four or five things, but you also want to check that they're buying back shares and able to push to new highs. They've, ultimately, what Walmart's done is, is they've, missed some, they've missed some plays, quite honestly. They started raising prices of toys this year a little bit too early, for instance. So no big economic releases of data today. Things will start picking up in economic data later this week. We're going to get initial claims for unemployment on Thursday. We're going to get producer price index. We're going to get the trade balance reports. Um, we're going to end with a CPI on Friday and retail sales as well as industrial production as well as some cons- uh, consumer sentiment on Friday. 
So I'd say Thursday and Friday are the biggest economic releases this week. Now, oil prices are weaker today, but oil prices are a big old focal point for me on Wall Street. I like watching them. February crude futures are up about 1% to 88 almost $89 a barrel. There's news that the Trans-Alaska pipeline was shut down over the weekend to deal with a leak. Now, BP is the largest owner of that pipeline, while ConocoPhillips and ExxonMobil also have some ownership stakes in it. I'm paying attention to oil. Today, oil is lower, but I'm going to tell you, when oil's at $90 a barrel, oil companies make so much friggin' fragging money. You can't help but want to own some of those guys. So the oil index is down about 1% today. So I see that bad news is good news if I've got cash to invest. Natural gas index is down about six-tenths of a percent. Let me give you some uh, indexes in case you want to follow these at home. Oil index is XOA. Natural gas index is XNG. The Philadelphia Oil Service Index is OSX. I told you a little bit about Progress Energy being acquired. They're down about 1.2%. Duke Energy down about 1.1% on the news. Another sector I like to watch out of the bat are financials. And financials are starting the week in the red. So that's not good. I would like banks to lead the stock market. I like banks to lead the economy. So today we're seeing Bank of America, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo. They're all starting to examine their mortgages and foreclosure practices after a report that pension funds inside the United States over the weekend asked for these big boys to check that their mortgage and foreclosure practices are up to snuff because obviously pensions have invested big old doleros inside these companies. Now, if Portugal's going to fail or struggle and Europe's going to have problems and China's going to deal with inflation – What's going to drive the United States? I've got that and more for you right after the break. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. What's going to drive our stock market? I've got one piece of the puzzle coming right up. Seven twenty-one on a Monday morning, January 10th, 2011. Have you gotten used to writing 11 yet on your checks? I know you're saying, who writes checks? <laughs> Me. <laughs> I write checks. Um, I write two a month. Isn't that funny? We used to write 10, 15, 20 a month. And now I'm down to just the people who are so unable to get online that I can't possibly do my business that way. So I promised that I would talk a little bit about what's going to drive the market. Because today we have a scary day on Wall Street. We've been having a situation where we have what risk-on, risk-off scenarios for the better part of a year. Today is one of those risks-off. People don't want to have money involved in the market. Dow's down 85, NASDAQ down 17, S&P 500 down 8. And even though we closed slightly lower on Friday, we still closed within a five-year high on the S&P 500. So we're really striking forward, slowly but surely, maybe even faster than expected, but we're striking forward. One of the bigger issues that I'm going to worry about is when does the Federal Reserve start raising interest rates? When do they start? When do they stop? Or when do they start stopping being an aid to the economy and an aid to the stock market? That's a good question. I'm thinking late 2011, early 2012. Now, today, Portugal's in the news because it appears that. Uncle Germany over the weekend put Portugal's head in a headlock and said, you will take 
some money from banks sooner rather than later, because until you do, the world's going to question whether or not we, the big boys of the European Union, have to carry you, the small guys, and whether or not we should ever loan you money ever again. Now, I said going into break that I was going to tell you what's going to drive the stock market this year. And I've already couched it with there's some negative in the European Union. And there's some negative, big negative down the road when the Federal Reserve stops keeping monetary policy at incredibly low buried levels. Fiscal policy, monetary policy, government policy. There's all these little sorts of things that help drive the stock market. Where are we at with taxes or not taxes? Are we fiscally responsible and or not? Are we spending our way out of a bad economy? Or are we saving our way out of a bad economy waiting for innovation? So what's going to drive? In my opinion, it's going to be earnings. United States corporations are getting set in the month of February. Well, no. Today they're going to start reporting earnings. Alcoa is going to start one week. We're going to go about three weeks of this. So it's going to be now until the end of February of reporting fourth quarter earnings. And it's going to be the most profitable fourth quarter on record ever. I want you to sit on that for just a second. When you invest in Wall Street, when you invest in a company specifically, you get to own a piece of those earnings. You take on risk, but you get to own a piece of the earnings. Now, corporations are set to report their largest profitable fourth quarter on record. That's amazing. That should make you jump up and down. It's iPads for Apple. It's soda for Coca-Cola. It's capital goods. It's bolstering our economy. It's a lot of things. It's not just one stock or one sector. Earnings per share for the S&P 500 are expected to have risen about 20% to 22 bucks and 5 cents for the three months into December 31st. Now, Wall Street knows that, and Wall Street as you know and I know, plays a game of what have you done for me lately? They're kind of mean, kind of tough. But profits excluding the financial industry are up about 12% year over year. That's amazing. And when financial companies start participating, it's going to be the next leg higher. Investors are a little bit more confident that the economic rebound is going to be sustained and companies are going to be able to raise prices and keep control of costs. Keep control of costs. Another word for fighting inflation. Manufacturing expanded in December at the fastest pace in seven months. That plays out. Now, when manufacturing expands, that means Joe Buttcrack or Joe Blue Collar, whatever you want to call him, is out there punching his, his time card and he basically does his thing. When he's done with his 40-hour week or 33-hour week, he heads home to the wife and says, I hate my boss. You wouldn't believe what that jerk did to me today. He says, I need a beer. She goes, honey, I need a vacation. You don't know about those kids. Those kids of yours, they're demons. And as long as he has a check, they stretch their money as long and as far as they can, and they help our economy. So manufacturing expanding in December at the fastest pace in seven months is good. It's good. Service industry is rising at the most since May 2006. Also good. We've got two components to our economy. Manufacturing and services. I find services a lot more important than I do manufacturing. 
anyone can manufacture, as we've learned. In China, you can get a little farmer from the rural farmlands and say, here, pull a lever. They can do it. They're low-paying jobs. They're not high, highly skilled jobs. Low-paying jobs don't have a lot of taxes for the state or the federal government. Now, they do fill a service. They do fill a need. Some people aren't qualified to be lawyers and doctors and, and financial people and highly skilled service industry. I get it. You get it, right? So I would say do everything you can to get education so that you can push your boss to pay you as much as possible. Manufacturing can go overseas, but doctors, lawyers, and those jobs can't go overseas. We need them here. The momentum of the recovery is pretty much so in place. Momentum in the recovery, record earnings, that's why I'm betting on 2011. I think that's a lot more important so far than what we're seeing in Portugal. Now, again, don't bank just on me. Do your own homework. We've got the Dow down 85. We've got the NASDAQ lower by about 17. And the S&P 500 down by 5. Oil's up a buck. That's a bigger tell to me than anything else. Coming up, CES, Electronics and Gadgets. I'm going to tell you what came out of CES this year from Vegas. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. It is Monday, January 10th, 2011. We're already almost halfway through the first month of the year. Time flies. You got to invest because one day you're no longer going to be working. And you got to make sure you have enough money to last until the day you die. Most boomers don't. Generation X behind it, known as the slacker generation, they make me nervous. They're the people I really do this show for. I try to bring in some boomers and some generation not why. I can't speak to everyone. I know that. So do everything you can to save money so that you can live age 60 to 100 without really counting on government assistance. Government assistance means you're going to be eating cat food and life ain't going to be good. You need to supplement. You need to add to it. Dow's down today. That's okay. Anytime the Dow's down, the Nasdaq's down, the S&P 500 down, anytime any market that I want to invest in, whether it be Taiwan or South Korea or Australia, whether it be Brazil or maybe some European Union banks, I'm a happy camper. Down markets equal good things for me. I'm buying what I want at cheaper prices. Now, hopefully they're not down markets forever and ever because then that would stink and blow. You get the idea. So I don't mind down markets. Let's talk about... I'm going to be doing a quick seminar coming up January 27th. I'm not going to be doing it. It's actually going to be Michelle Lerman who's doing it. She's an estate planning attorney. You've heard her on the show. She's real good at what she does. It's going to be on the estate tax, and it's going to be explained. I'm ultimately introducing her and handing out some handouts and talking a little about the big picture economy. She's really running an event based on you know some of the new laws and how to take advantage of it before they disappear on estate planning, how to avoid losing your business, um, how to protect assets for your children and your spouse in case they remarry, how to protect your privacy from prying eyes of creditors, what probate means and doesn't mean. 
So we're going to be doing this January 27th at 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton in San Rafael. It's January 27th at the Four Points Sheraton in San Rafael. You can find out more by going to LermanLaw.com, LermanLaw.com. You can sign up at for that there. It's for high-end investors. It's not for people who are accumulating wealth. It's for people who are over 50 who are starting towards heading towards uh, needing an estate plan and putting everything in order. Now, there was a big show this week in Vegas. And big shows, trade shows, they're tax write-offs for me, and I love them. I enjoy going to see a trade show. Um, CES is one of my favorites. In large part, it holds much of what I hold dear. Electronics and gadgets. Now, I don't buy the latest gadget. I don't. I typically wait a year, two years. I wait for Apple iPhone 3, not Apple iPhone 1. I don't want to be the person to pay top dollar for something that's not that's going to be buggy. Now, you could say, Rob, you're just being cheap. No, I'm not. I think that's a wise use of my dollars. And ultimately, I want my dollars to last into retirement. And I don't want to give them up quite as easily as you do. It's one of the bigger mistakes that people make when they look back at age 60 and say, what did I do wrong in my life? They bought a lot of expensive gadgets is one of the top answers that they regret having bought. So CES shows us the gadgets that are going to be out there that we're going to be buying this Christmas. Not last Christmas, this upcoming Christmas, like 10 months from now, right? So gadgets at the annual International Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, more often than not flop versus pop. You can go to Vegas and you can walk for miles and miles and miles and miles and see 10 items that will be big hits next year and see thousands and thousands that are going to do nothing. Microsoft gave us a peek into their next version of Windows. Ooh. There's a company that we're calling dead. Desktops and laptops. I don't think they're dead. Until they stop making billions of dollars, I don't count them out. Verizon, they showed off some consumer gadgets for a wireless network that's faster in many cases than wired broadband. Sexy. Some manufacturers showed tablet computers with the potential to give Apple's iPad a run for the money. The show itself is the largest trade show in the United States. It had two very lean years, telling us the economy was tough in the last two years. This year was back in high form. 126,000 people showed up. Not as many as 141,000 that showed up in 2008, but that's still a pretty good number. There are some can't-miss developments that you have to know about. For instance, tablets. Think of a tablet computer as an iPad. The iPad's going to drive, in my opinion, Apple to about $500 a share this year. $1,000 in the next three to five years. Tablets are touchscreen computers. Brand names are jumping in big, trying to compete with Apple. From a hardware standpoint, companies touted features that the iPod doesn't have, such as front and rear-facing cameras for video chatting. They're taking high-definition videos and the ability to operate over wireless carriers' new and forthcoming 4G network. On the software side, we got to see a little bit for tablets from Honeycomb. That's Google's newest Android version. It's going to seem to be a very popular choice, and it's, it's more geared towards the tablet versus the phone. So many of tablets unveiled ran, for instance, Zoom for um, Motorola. Motorola's back, baby. Talk about a company that was left for dead. Motorola was left for dead. They were internet superhighway roadkill, and I called them so much as. They've come back big with some droid phones as well as now a tablet called the Zoom. Huge. It was the product of the year. 
the product of the year at CES was Motorola Zoom. Go to YouTube. Google Motorola Zoom. Zoom, zoom, zoom. We're going to the moon. Ticker symbol. Not ticker symbol. <laughs> I'm not on my game. Uh, the product name is Zoom. X-O-O-M. Honeycomb, which is geared a little bit more towards tablets than current versions of Android. It's got its roots in small phones and smaller screens. Uh, Windows, uh, Microsoft Windows 7 PC software. Business Focus 4G Playbook is running that. That's coming from BlackBerry, Maker, Research in Motion. I have no faith in tertiary players. Tertiary meaning third. I, I, I can make a case for the number one, Apple. I can make a case for the number two play in, in gadgets right now, Google. I can't really make a case for number three or four. Doesn't mean I hate them. Just doesn't mean I won't put my money where my mouth is. So Verizon, they lit up their 4G network in December with limited coverage. But super unsurpassed data speeds. It's cool. The concept of a modem, I think it's going to change a lot in the next five to ten years. And the way we dial into the internet, it's going to be a lot less wires and a lot more wireless. The network from Verizon uses fresh, uncrowded spectrum, and it's designed from the ground up to carry data, resulting in connections that beat the speed of DSL and cable modems. In the long run, when more people jump on it, expect downloads of about five to twelve megabits per second, per second, which is kind of a non-premium cable modem. So for now, it's blazing, but it's going to change. Only plug-in laptop modems can take advantage of such speeds right now. But Ryzen was showing off smartphones from Motorola, LG Electronics, HTC, and Samsung. They're going to arrive in the first half of the year along with two tablets, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. But now Verizon stole some of their own thunder over the weekend. They invited journalists to a second press conference. Tomorrow, Tuesday... Less than a week after Vegas. So they still got all this glorious Vegas press that they could talk about. And what are they going to announce tomorrow? It's the biggest secret that everyone knows. Tomorrow, Verizon's going to announce that they're going to be selling Apple's iPhone. It's going to be a toned-down version of the iPhone. Apple doesn't want to give them all the goodies to the candy store. It's going to be available only in the United States, exclusively through Verizon. Now, AT&T's building their own 4G network, and they have plans to have it up and running in the summer, but it ain't ready yet. Windows on cell phones. This was a big story as well. Like I said, the computers look half finished with exposed components. They ran like plain vanilla Windows 7. Now, under the hood, these computers had components that signal a seismic shift from Microsoft and the PC industry. So Windows ain't there yet on the cell phone, but the hardware is getting there pretty darn fast. Now, instead of running for, on processors from Intel and AMD, Windows PCs for three decades have been the Wintel platform. These new computers were running on cell phone-style chips based on designs from ARM Holdings. That could mean laptops and tablets with longer battery lives, and that would give Windows a better chance of gaining some foothold in the tablet computer era. Now, Apple, they hit iPad tablets running an ARM-based chip already, and that part can you know, reasonably last 10-plus hours in a charge. Microsoft didn't say when an ARM-based Windows version is going to be available, but they did indicate it. it's at least a year away. Oh, no, that's too long in the world of technology. That's like a lifetime. That's bad news. That's not good news. Now, Intel and AMD, they were also at CES in Vegas. They revealed some processors that are brains of PCs. They said some good things there. They're holding off threats from tablets and smartphones. They're innovating as fast as they can. Some of these new designs promise to make computers better at doing graphic-intensive tasks and playing video. Intel and AMD... They're doing this ultimately by putting graphic capabilities, which are historically handled by a separate chip, 
lot of the same silicon as the computer's main general purpose processor that can move data faster because it's closer. An added benefit would be longer battery life. Another big thing that was at CES this year, 3D TVs with cinema glasses. Now, keep in mind, there's no standard. Sony doesn't have to do what LG Electronics is doing. So you can buy a 3D TV that loses its standard. Like, you could be stuck with a Betamax instead of the VHS. You could be stuck with a HD DVD versus the Blu-ray DVD. Last year's big new thing was in TVs was 3D. It didn't catch on. One problem is the bulky, expensive, battery-powered glasses. Coming up in the next segment, I'm going to give you a little bit more about the big hits at CES. I'm going to get a little bit more bullet shot specific, though, for you. Some actual names of investments. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, listening to 1220 KDOW, all things financial. This is a shorty segment for me. So don't call now, but call soon. I want some calls in the second hour. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I want to hit some business before I get back to uh, what happened at CES. And some of the business that I want to hit is what's happened on Wall Street today. For instance, AT&T is being downgraded to hold over Hudson Square Research. Now, a lot of analysts think that AT&T losing the iPhones could be no big deal, but Hudson thinks it is going to be a big deal. They think the iPhone landing at Verizon in late January, early February is going to spell three and a half years of exclusivity for the AT&T-Apple relationship over. Now, a lot of analysts they predict are going to come out and defend AT&T in the coming days. They're going to say that's your last chance to sell because this is bad news for AT&T. There will be a lot of customers that jump ship. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a good thing for Verizon, believe it or not, because the cost of acquiring a customer is expensive up front. You make the money on the back end. So Kaufman's out this morning saying that they think the iPhone on Verizon is favorable for Apple and Verizon. For Apple, they think it gains them access to 93 million subscribers, doubling its market opportunity in the United States and giving it much more room to run over the next few years. They think the iPhone economics will remain favorable, similar to that offered to AT&T. They view the iPhone on Verizon to be the first true test for Android and Google, as well as a huge test for weak competition, the BlackBerry, Research in Motion, Windows, Microsoft, web operating system by HP, as well as Nokia, Simeon, and others. So this can be the first big test for Google and their Android operating system. Kind of fun, right? Now, P.F. Chang's, they're, they're moving higher today on rumor that they could be acquired. Human Genome. Do you remember Human Genome? They were tied to the O.J. Simpson trial. If the glove does not fit, you must acquit. They were one of the first companies to really get out there and map the DNA and the genome. They're reporting progress towards sustainable revenues in 2011. Now, it's a $25 stock, and you're saying, Rob, why are you bringing this one up? I want to remind you that in the year 2000, it was $109. And now today, it's only 25 This is a situation where you and I went, oh my, back in 96, it was $5, and then it ran, boom, to 10 bucks, And then it went from 10 bucks sideways for about two years, and then from it went from 9 bucks to 100 bucks, Boom, crazy, dot-com, wonderful, delicious returns. Problem is, they're only now talking about hidden profitability. So if you go back to 1994, it was, a, it was a, basically a $6 stock. Now it's a $25 stock. 
if you if you look at the start of 2000, it was 109. A lot of promise in biotech, a lot of promise in science, but you have to be incredibly careful because delivering it takes time. Some other big stories out of CES this weekend would be free TV on the go. This was one of the stories that you and I are going to be paying more attention to. Broadcasters are adding signals to their towers that are designed to be picked up by portable gadgets like TVs, laptops, and cell phones. Now, it's ultimately unclear how interested the public is in this, but they ran a test in Washington, D.C., and they found that a lot of people would watch free TV in their kitchen, in their bedroom, like in places that they typically didn't, like bathrooms. So gadget makers are, are fascinated by what's called mobile DTV, mobile digital television. And uh, you know, it could be an antenna for an iPad. It could be a portable TV that plugs in. It, it's a lot of little things, right? Another big thing that came out of CES Las Vegas, the big tech show this weekend, was the high-speed color printing. You know, it, It's not all that often that a new printing technology comes along. In fact, it's pretty slow. But both inkjet and laser printing you know, have been with us for decades and decades. Now there's a startup called Mimjet, and they're promising a significant twist on inkjet printing. It's going to allow a desktop printer to spit out one page per second in color at a low cost. Now that's bad news for HP because they've kind of had the monopoly on inkjet and printing. So the printer should be on the U.S. market by the end of the year, 600 bucks, and uh, that's you know that. So those are the big technologies that came out of CES. Now, some of the micro-technologies, some of the smaller ones, would be like Nuance Communications. It's a publicly traded company. It's a $5 stock. They've got the Flex T9 mobile input app. Now, for those of us who spend our lives answering emails and text messages on smartphones, this is a company that lets you interface with a virtual keyboard, a keyboard tracing technology called Flex T9 which rolled out by Nuance, the speaker company Dragon Naturally Speaking. It's an app that competes with other sketch-based data entry tools such as Swipe. It lets users trace the path between letters on a virtual keyboard and quickly sketch out words and sentences. It worked really, really well. So if you're struggling, this is one of those ones that did incredibly nicely. Another publicly traded company, Intuit. They came out with a GoPayment app, uh, adding credit card scanners to smartphones. It's all the rage. But Intuit's a legit company. So they got a lot of buzz going around some of the tools, Square and Merchant Anywhere. And it's no wonder transactional giant Intuit has jumped into the market. The company announced an interesting Apple iPhone app for its mobile go payment systems. It's a direct interface with a, a Mophie add-on credit card scanner. So quickly, businesses can jump on the iPhone, do a sidewalk sale, a charity event. It's an intriguing product. It's an intriguing way of accepting a credit card. Another big winner was a company called SugarSync Online Backup. And they do backup data and they make it available on any web-connected device. They dreamed up a sweet deal to compete with the likes of Google and Microsoft and Dropbox for the small business data backup market. It offers a full 5 gigabits of online backup and storage for absolutely nothing. Now, what they do unique in a small business-friendly manner is they allow the system, it's incredibly well-designed, Easy to use, works across any mobile, desktop, or other device. You can download the software, decide you want to save, and there it is. Or just about on any device in your shop. So SugarSync is worth considering. Five gigabytes accounts of free storage at SugarSync Online Backup. Let's take a break here. Coming up next at the top of the hour, I'm going to go over the top business stories. Plus, i got more on Wall Street, investment winners, losers, what's going to happen in 2011. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. 
Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I do my best every day to come up with content that you might find useful, you might find insightful. For instance, I believe in investing. I believe in doing everything I can to make sure I get to retirement with a lot of money. I don't want to be 60, 70 years old with nothing. I want to be 60 or 70 going to Egypt. I want to be 60 or 70 going to India. I want to be 60 or 70 going to Moscow. That's my goals. What are yours? I don't want to you know, live in Stockton just because I can't afford to live anywhere else. I don't want to live in Arkansas because I got one tooth and the Arkansas dentist does a good job. I'm, I'm inspired by something else. So along those ways, I, I like down days on the market because I'm still 20 plus years from retirement. I know who I am. I'm very comfortable in my skin. It's the most empowering thing that a man or a woman could ever have is being comfortable nude with who you are. I know you're saying that's kind of racy. It's meant to be kind of racy. The moment you become comfortable in your skin that you're going to die one day, that you're not perfect, that you're flawed, and that perfection is, is, is great when you have it, but it don't last long, the better you'll be, both with friends and family as well as concepts like investing. I'm an investor. I don't trade my assets frequently. I like accumulating them. Trading speculative. Investing isn't. I'm a saver. I fuel my investments with continuous savings. It's rocket fuel underneath them. I know that every kind of asset has risk. I'm cool with that. I don't look at, like, you hear commercials for solar, and I love the solar. I love the idea of solar. But when I hear it's a risk-free investment, it makes me cringe. When I hear double-digit returns, it makes me cringe. Like, that's just, I'm on the conservative side of what I expect in the world. I know that cash Cash has the risk of inflation. I know that high, and I know that your house has the risk of inflation. And I know that solar has the risk of inflation. I know that anything you put money into has the risk of inflation. I know that higher returns equals higher risk. You should know that too. I accept those risks. I mitigate them by owning a diversity of, of, of assets. I don't mind having a down year in stocks. Maybe I'm having an up year in bonds. I don't mind having a down year in bonds. Maybe I'm having an up year in retail, in, in um, homes. Retail. What's the word I'm looking for? Real estate. I regard my home as a place to live. I do not look at it as an investment. It is not a substitute for retiring. It's a place to live. I invest regular amounts of money each and every month, each and every two weeks in both good markets and bad markets. I can't gauge the top market. I can't gauge the bottom market. When I win my lottery, $365 million, screw you guys. I'm not ever coming back to radio. But on top of it, I will bequest much of it to charity. I will gradually feed it into my investment over time. I don't pour money into hot and sexy markets. Nor do I completely cash out of a down market. I spread my investments amongst some of the top asset classes. Stocks, bonds, and real estate. My share of bonds is on the smaller side. I allocate more to stocks as I'm young and beautiful. As I get older, I allocate more to bonds. I rebalance my portfolio four times a year. I'm comfortable with you doing it two, maybe even one time a year. If the stock market plunges, I'm the happiest camper out there. But I sometimes have to go, uh-oh, 
Now I have to reallocate. That's the only downside of a down market. I force myself to sell high and buy low. I force myself. I buy stocks that are not too risky in the long run. I buy stocks that have outperformed other assets over 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Foreign stocks for me account for at least 30 to 40% of my portfolio. I believe that developing economies are going to enjoy high-grade growth. While the United States has a little bit more of a stable capitalism play ahead, I never borrow against my stocks. I find margin to be used by people who should be euthanized. Yes, I believe in euthanizing people. No, I really don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. Darwin, get them. Please, get them, get them. So margin is borrowing money to buy stocks. And that's a loser's game. The winner in that area is the investment stock market. It's the brokerage firms that you're borrowing money from. I never borrow against my stocks ever, never, ever, never. I stick with my game plan. I have a game plan. Do you? I don't check my investments each and every day. Do you? I keep my cool. Here's one area where I've really stunk with the ladies. And for some, some, some men, too. I'm kind of robotic. I don't get too happy. I don't get too sad. That's not necessarily true. I'm, I'm embellishing a little bit. But it's on the true side. Having that ability to dissociate helps you as an investor enormously. So today, for instance, things are going bad in Portugal. Over the weekend, Uncle Germany said, you will take money in a v- we will bail you out silently. Germany doesn't want this to get out of control. Portugal says, we got it. We got it. We're cool. Now, again, my opinion of all Europeans are that they're lazy people who take naps all day long and siestas and go on vacation for four months of the year. Okay, that's not totally true. Man, I once got someone from London really angry at me. I said all the food in Europe, all the food in uh, the United Kingdom stinks, and they all got bad teeth. So this guy wrote me this this thesis on you know the greatest restaurants in the world all happen to be in London and like people chill out. Dow's down sixty seven, Nasdaq down thirteen, S P five hundred down six. Do you know what type of investor you are? Can you do what I just did? Tell the world. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Pick up the phone. Where are my calls? I'm embarrassed. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Coming up. Gonna talk stock winners and losers. I'm Rob Black. I briefly want to mention that I'm going to be doing a get together with Michelle Lerman seminar for estate planning. This is for high end investors who've got a lot of assets they want to protect in case they pass. She's an attorney. She is an estate planner, trust probate. She's all that in a bucket of chicken. It's going to be on a Thursday night, the 27th, 7 p.m., Four Points Sheraton. It's going to be in San Rafael at Northgate Drive. It'll be a good opportunity for you to learn about estate planning. Uh, she gives a consultation afterwards, you know, how to do your business, how to make sure your spouse or your children, if they remarry, that they get the right amount, privacy issues. Some of the amendments that have come out of the critical trust amendments recently and that help minimize tax that you pay under the new laws, some short-term window of opportunities under some of the new laws and how to take advantage of them before they disappear. 
She's pretty good for wealthy individuals who want to protect their assets. You can learn more. Again, it's going to be Thursday, January 27th, 7 p.m., four points Sheraton. You can learn more at her website, Lerman Law. It's L-E-R-M-A-N, LermanLaw.com, LermanLaw.com. Or just drop me an email, and I'll tell you more about it as well. It's not for everyone. It's not a how-to-get-wealthy kind of event. It's not a how-to-make-millions-of-dollars-and-retire-with-speculative-dollars-of-real-estate-you-know-one-of-the-big-real-estate-scams-right-now it's tied towards um, getting you to take over someone's distressed property, and you can get double-digit returns as long as they don't muck up the process legally, and as long as the process doesn't implode on you. It implodes on a lot of people, and the people in the house, they muck up the process often. So be very careful on anyone promising you double-digit returns. Uh, be very careful on people promising you returns that are great on real estate, because real estate makes people money in the deal, on the buy side, on the sell side, on the introducing you, the boy, to the girl, the person with the property wants to sell it. I'd be very cautious on any real estate because you're not a professional. You're not Donald Trump. Now, again, I laugh at Donald Trump, so keep that in mind. But you're not a professional. You're not a Sam Zell. You're going to get hosed. You're going to get eaten alive in real estate. I'd be very cautious. Apple price target was raised to 400 buckaroos over at JMP Securities. Apple's going to be announced on the Verizon network tomorrow. It seems that everyone knows that. Something called a value trap is starting to open up. And it's in defense stocks. General Dynamics, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, L3, L3, Raytheon, United Tech, Honeywell. These are just some of the names that you need to be incredibly careful on because... Governments in the world are cutting back on their spending. And for companies that provide equipment and services to the military, they may be facing years of sluggish growth and a slump after 2013. You know, the base budget for the Pentagon is still going to likely show modest real growth over the next few years, but the fiscal situation in the United States is likely going to result in further political pressures to cut spending. So this may be a tipping point for defense spending that will likely come in the next presidential term with a fresh mandate for fiscal austerity as well as a tail-off in Afghan operations. I see defense as a value trap. For the record, I've always liked defense stocks. They've always worked for me. But that goes back since Reagan years, where we pumped more and more money on a regular basis into defense stocks, we being our country. So we knew what was happening. We were big boys about it. The month of January is a cold month that can swallow you up. This cold spell is killing me. To me, though, on Wall Street, it's, it's typically a crystal ball. How stocks fare in the first month of the year often foreshadows the direction of the stocks for the rest of the year. Now, this is in large part due to a lot of money becomes ready to allocate in January. A lot of budgets get reset. But also it comes down to we report earnings in January. The pattern is ultimately pretty simple. If stocks rise in January, the odds of the market being up are high. So says the Stock Traders Almanac, which dubs the predictive or predicative tool of the January barometer. The accuracy is pretty impressive. There have only been seven major errors since 1950. So there's a success rate of 90%. Now, no one knows exactly why, but early year stock price momentum has been a way of influencing the mindset of investors in a very bullish way. Now, January of last year ultimately did well. It started good. It went awful. And then it leveled out. 
Now, the market gets a boost ultimately from the fresh flow of cash, like I said, as people start flooding their 401ks again. The risk is if the cash doesn't move the market, investors often rethink that upbeat outlook, and they often cut back on what goes in later on. So a lousy January often leads to selling. Of the 25 times the market's posted negative returns in January since 1950, the full year ended down 13% of the time, 13 times or 52% of the time. So that's not all that predicative, is it? It's a lousy January equaled a bad year 52% of the time. Now, there was also a statistic of there since 1950, you've only had 25 negative returns in the month of January. So the Almanac views the performance of the S&P 500 in the first five days as an early warning signal, not as a full play on January. Of the 38 times stocks have risen in the past in the first five days, they finish up 33 times, or 87% of the time. Let me repeat that. Of the 38 times stocks have risen in the first five days of January, they're up 33 out of them and or an 87% stock success rate. Now, for the first five days of 2011, the market finished up 1.1%. So there's an 87% historical chance of having an up year. Now, past performance is not indicative of future results. That's the kick in the face, right? The ultimate drivers of stock prices are, are things like interest rates, economic growth, investor psychology. The market's currently benefiting from tailwinds of, of short-term interest rates. That That's the one thing that's going to spook me when interest rates start moving up. The commitment by the Fed to keep them lower has kept me engaged in the stock market. Now, what could trip the market up in January? It could be earnings that are okay. I think earnings will probably provide a, a buying opportunity, i.e. a weaker market. Because last year at this time, we were coming out of a recession of 2008. So it was easy to hit earnings. This year, we're dealing with numbers that were pretty good last year. So we're going to have to be great just to create good. Does that make sense? Goldman Sachs is predicting 1500 for the S&P 500 by the end of 2011. That's nice to know. It's not going to make me sell my house and put it all into what Goldman Sachs says, but... I'm along those lines. The Dow's down 66. The NASDAQ down 12. The S&P 500 down 6. As far as numbers go today, the Portugal bailout is hitting stocks for banks, stocks, and for people who are involved in tough mortgages. There is no easy out this year. Let's go to Tony and Villaggio. Tony, how are you? Tony? Hello. Go ahead, Tony. I'd have to think about that. But see, I'm more Tony. I want to come to your house and play Xbox with you than invest in the Xbox. If I were, if I were, and let me give you a little bit on this, and thanks for the call. I'll have to think about that of when did I get emotional? I, I, I've told the story that I got emotional and bought a stock that did... Um, it was called, oh, now I'm dropping the name, and thanks for the call. It was a company that froze cancer tumors, and uh, basically in the prostate. And it was a great idea, and my dad passed away from cancer. And it was one of the companies, I, I was looking at biotech devices, medical devices, and when I heard the story about freezing of tumors, it, it rung with me because cancer, chemo, radiation are such horrible things. 
Uh, freezing seemed better. Technology seemed, you know, a, a better way of, of dealing with the cancers. Yeah, so I've made some mistakes emotionally. But, you know, you got a cool gadget in the iPhone, in the, the Microsoft phone. And if you do want to invest in that, that's fine. The way I would do it is 1%. So if 1% turns out to be a home run, it's 3%. Don't do 5% because that's too big of your portfolio. Um, I preferred the Apple investment. I prefer the, the reigning champion until the reigning champion gets knocked off. Or number two. I don't really believe in number three or four or five. In the world, Tony, you're going to date the sister that's not perfect. I'm going to date the sister that's not perfect. In reality, in investing, you could date the perfect sister. So I don't understand why you'd want to put your money in an up-and-comer other than to say, I'm a risk-taker. And Tony, I'd rather you go to Vegas and bet on black because you get a 48% chance of winning and free drinks. Now, again, I'm not being serious. I don't want you to go to Vegas and bet on black. Uh, But I think you have better odds there sometimes than in story stocks. For instance, video games. We've seen amazing growth out of Nintendo, Electronic Arts, Take-Two, GameStop, Microsoft, the Kinect Story, Sony. We've seen amazing stories there. Great revenues. Price war, though, with Best Buy, Walmart, and Target has hurt that whole sector. Plus the ability to download video games straight from the, the, the company that develops the game, the developer, has hurt the overall profitability for the overall sector, which is interesting to note. Anyway, Tony, I, I hear you. I'll have to think more about emotional investing, some of the bigger mistakes that I've made. For sure, for sure I got caught up in some investments over my head in my lifetime. Um, you know, I didn't get out of the dot-coms at March 2000. It was late 2000 when I got out of some of the dot-coms that I should have got out earlier. But I did make money. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. We talk all things financial here. Thanks for listening to the show. Not always perfect, but I try my best to give you some honest inside skinny scoop on what's working on Wall Street and why on a day-by-day basis on the economy. Things like maxing out your 401k will get your retirement. I speak sometimes too simple of terms, but I'm trying to help you. I'm not going to be 100% right. I don't want to be. Dow's down 51. NASDAQ down 8. S&P 500 down 4. Portugal bailout is hitting the stock markets today. I'm not worried by that. I knew it was coming. I'm saddened by the Arizona shootings over the weekend where a congressperson was shot in the head, where people died for no good reason. I don't get that. That's absurd. I don't get it. Um, other than crazy people. Keep in mind there are crazy people out there. I don't, when I'm in traffic, I don't honk my horn at people because there's crazy people out there that may shoot me to death. When I do accidentally cut someone off and someone's flicking me off and honking at me, I just wave at them like I'm Rain Man, just the happiest man in the world watching Judge Wapner. Just, I wave happily at them because I don't want them mad at me. Like, sorry, I'm an idiot. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Looks like we might have a call. Steve from San Ramon. Steve? I'm okay at best. How about you? I, it's better than me and dad. I kind of agree with that statement, but that's not going too far. So, so what you got for me? I don't, I, I don't go to, I don't go to Costco, but I'm, I, I hear you. $77 billion in sale at Costco. So they're number 294 in the fortune uh, the Financial Times Global 500, they're a huge company. In the United States, they're number 25 in the Fortune 500. In the S&P 500, they're huge. You're right. 
they're, they're kind of a, a wholesale club operator. They're ahead of Sam's Clubs, uh, which is stunning because Sam's Clubs being Walmart. They've got 565 million membership warehouse. They serve 56 million card holders. I was actually speaking to a friend about them just the other day, and he said, I only go four times a year, and he goes, their food is just ridiculous. I can't eat 100 chicken breasts. Like BJ Wholesales, you know, you just can't do it anymore. We don't have the space in our life. This is a company that's in South Korea, Taiwan, Puerto Rico, Australia, Canada, Japan, Mexico. So they're not new in America. Like in Japan, for instance, they've got some Costco's, but only restaurants could really afford to use them because Japanese have such small living quarters that bulk packaging doesn't work. But So what's your thought on it? Do you like the company? Do you hate the company? Do you not like where they're going? I don't necessarily agree that everyone's in the hunker down mode when you look at what we see as far as data goes and improving jobless numbers, which we got on Friday, sort of. Fewer people participated in the job markets, but unemployment dropped. Um, I wouldn't, I don't like shorting stocks, first and foremost. I tend to think that's a loser's game because Americans bought pet rocks in the 1970s. Um, the company could be acquired by a Samsung. Like, they could be acquired by someone. To me, I see analysts calling in an $80 stock based on expectations for 7% sales growth at their stores, healthy margin expansion, strong comp store trends, um, higher store traffic, price increases tied towards food inflation, and they've been posting favorable merchandise margin improvement. So I'm not a big fan of it. I hear you. My conversation with my friend went like this. I said, I don't have a Costco membership because I've got an internet membership. I'm a member of the internet, and because of that, I can get a website called Frugal, F-R-O-O-G-L-E. And if I need 100 chicken breasts, I can have them sent out to me. Or if I need 400 napkins, I can have them sent out to me without paying taxes if I'm getting them out of state. So I do like Costco in an economy like this. I'm fine with the company. I'm not upset with the company. I don't see a huge catalyst up or down. If you want to go that direction, do. We're allowed to disagree. I don't dislike you, Steve. I like you. I'm just saying we're allowed to disagree, and that's probably the best way of going about it is, to me, shorting stocks is just a waste of time and effort uh, because you're really – some bad things can happen to you even if you're correct. So, And I, I'm, not, I'm not keen on that. With that said, it looks like it's technically at the high end of a trading range, and yes, it does look like it should come down. Analysts see it breaking out of its trading range based on, yeah, we're going to continue to shop. And Costco does have a nice membership model. So they get that subscription basis as well as the volume, volume, volume. I don't like their margins. Their margins aren't very much. Um, but they are improving after having gone through a tough spell. So that's about all the information. I want to go. <laughs> he said everything I said was brilliant. I want to go that far. But thank you so much for listening, Steve. Everyone keep listening. I'm going to talk about the change in consumer as the economies evolve. So do consumers. I'll do that tomorrow on this show. Don't be shy with your phone calls. Don't be shy with your thoughts, your ideas, where you want this economy to go, what you need, what questions you have, college planning, anything financial. I'll give you a good second opinion on it. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Take care. Good day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.